Thanks for joining us for episode four of season four of Couples Inc., a place where we help couples work better together. The first and third Wednesday of each month, we drop episodes with advice, tips, and real-world experience for partnering in business and life. I'm Jody, a business owner and communication strategist, and first you try Control-Alt-Delete. If that doesn't work, you restart your computer. If you are still having issues, you just reverse the polarity, then jump to warp and use the sun's gravitational pull to reverse time. The sun of what? Exactly, but IT is so easy, you make it seem like it's such a big deal. Yes, and I do that, and all IT directors do that deliberately because we have to justify our existence. Right, when I can just reverse the polarity. Yeah. So there you go. You try it. Yeah. Try it. You'll (laughs) like it. I'm Glenn, Jody's partner in life and business. And I've gone by various nicknames, not of my choosing, throughout my life. That's how it goes. You choose your own nickname. That's kind of... Yeah. You know. And some of them not really mentionable oh, here yeah. in Nick's company. But uh, Scout was one of them. That was from my dad. Even though I was never in scouting. He uh-huh. just called me Scout. I don't know. Do you think he just forgot your name? <laughs> That's very possible. He had three kids and about uh, 5,000 animals. So naming everybody is a chore. Uh, Grace, which came from my lack of... Uh, oh, it's ironic. Yeah, yeah, it was ironic. My lack of coordination in judo. Colonel from a talk show host I worked with. I was never in the military. He just, <laughs> I think he had a, a rank for everybody around the building. And just, you know, go around and say, hey, General, you want to get me that script? Uh, my second favorite Martian. That one came from the biggest influence of my early career. And one of my favorite guys ever. And now... Baby cakes. Baby cakes. That's, that's what me. I call you all the time. And now that's how you are on my phone. And when I call you on my phone, it says calling Babby cakes. Yeah, Babby cakes. Bobby that's cakes. yes, that's acceptable too. So there you go. Nicknames. Who knew? On today's show, we discuss co-leadership, and we talk with a couple about how they make working together work for them. And at the end of the show, summer blockbuster season has us thinking about movies. Bad movies. Really, really bad movies. Without further ado, let's get started with this episode of Couples Inc. For today's topic, we thought we would discuss uh, something called co-leadership. You often hear people say you can't have more than one leader. You got to have that one person to drive the bus. Get her done. Captain the ship. Cut the cheese. (laughs) Fly the plane. Cook the books. (laughs) Butter the toes. Hide the bodies. Find the Waldo. So those are all times where you feel like just one person leads that mission. Yes. <laughs> one and one only. Cook the books. Okay. This, again, gets more complicated. If you are a couple who own a business together, then you are co-owners. Mm-hmm. And can you also then be co-leaders when you're working in the business? Is it doable? And like I looked at this... One definition of co-leadership is two or more people in charge of a team or group. They share ownership of the goals of their team, but divide the roles and responsibilities. And they listed a couple of famous examples. Like you might have heard of uh, these two guys, William Proctor and James Gamble. Like They had a little upstart. I think they made soap at one time, at didn't At some they? point, yeah, they made soap. I'm sure it was artisanal. Uh, or <laughs> Wilbur and Orville Wright. Uh, you got Ben and Jerry. That will never fly. That'll never fly. Ben and Jerry. You got a couple of um, 
you know, Joel and Ethan Cohen, you know, but again, you have these these Coen big brothers, names, yeah. the Cohen brothers. Um, I looked up just to be fair for some of the ladies. Um, Rent the Runway is uh, co-led by Jen Hyman and Jenny Fleiss. You know, I was looking at your notes mm-hmm. that you had made on on this, and when I saw Rent the Runway, you're thinking runway. airplane. Yeah, I'm thinking. Uh, no. Sorry, American two three nine five. We've got a Delta flight that's rented this no, no, runway no, no, no. for this afternoon. I'm you're going to have to land someplace else. I'm going to rent it for a party. Rent it for a birthday party. The whole runway. Yeah. If you're going to rent a runway, do something, you know, fun. Nice and hot. A little cookout. Sorry, this runway's being rented by so-and-so for their company cookout. You'll sweat like never before. (laughs) It's like a sauna. That's true. That's not a good place to host an event. Or uh, Soul Cycle, which is really big. That's co-led by Elizabeth Cutler and Julie Rice. So I just looked up these, you know, co-leaders. Now, none of these that I know of are uh, romantic partners or married couples, but why does it get complicated when you're married? Why can't you come in as a co-leader to run a business that way under the co-leadership banner? I mean, why does it feel like people say, oh, no, you just have one leader, one vision? I think that's an American thing. You think? Well, these are all American people, but are you thinking it's like that gung-ho nature yeah. Like, you gotta so, have a leader. Well, sort of, yeah, I have a strong central figure. You know, like, we have, uh, we don't have uh, as much of a emphasis on Congress mm-hmm. or on the Supreme Court as we do on the presidency. Okay. You know, I guess that's you were kind saying. of sort of a beauty contest mm-hmm. with, a, with a little bit of uh, king involved. So it's a king's beauty contest okay, every four years. <laughs> every four years. Or queen's beauty contest. Don't let's not throw that out. Um, sure. So, like, I guess people have this idea of the CEO that, you know, Sam Walton. Yeah. So you have the Sam Walton. But again, like I said, you've got the Procter & Gamble. Yeah. So you can have a partnership. And I think you can have a co-leadership within a married couple owning a business. I know you can. But, yeah, because that's what we do. So how do you do that if that's what you want? Now, some people may not want the co-leadership. They may want to just own a business together, but let one be the leader and that's totally fine yeah like between us i'm the leader sure but like we we actually have a co-leadership but what like, yeah but how did that make what i liked about the definition is you own the goals but you divide the roles and responsibilities i mean yeah. i think that's the only way you can make this work is that you share power and influence but you divide the responsibilities so that way you're not like Every decision has to be made by both partners at the exact same time. One is maybe empowered to make decisions about this, but you still are both very invested in the, in the result and the and setting those goals. One of the notes that I saw on the website that we're referring to, and we'll put the link in our show notes, is the left brain, right brain partnership. Did you see that? No, I, yeah. I missed that part. Yeah, we, we did a couple of article research things, but this is from the Harvard Business Review, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see that one. It's kind of what it says, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's sort of... I guess, obvious when you first look at it. But you drill a little bit deeper, and I think it can be situational. Okay. I think that in a lot of cases, when, let's say, if you are exercising your planning mojo, Mm -hmm. and that is your gift, one of your many gifts, you can take a hold of a chaotic situation, and within a few minutes, you'll have it sorted, listed, chopped, smothered, diced, chunked. Covered. Covered, yeah, and served. And it, it really is a marvelous House thing. I am the of strategist. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, babe. 
I'm sorry, baby cakes. No, it's hun. Thank you, hun. Thank you, hun. That's oh, that's right. right. That's a total yeah for total Waffle House. Okay. Waffle House. Okay. So okay. So I uh, say then. Then I'm doing like what is it? Left brain then. I think that's a left brain function. Yeah. I never I, know which one is which, and I. Because some people say it's the right brain that's the creative side, left brain. Who but says that? Some I don't know. Left brain people. Left brain people. Yeah. <laughs> but um, okay, so tell me more about this concept. Well, the left brain mm-hmm. is the one that's responsible for the planning and the math and the division and the. Well, the le- math is not me, but I see what you're saying. So, like, we all work with our brain mm-hmm. fully. You know, it is engaged. It well, is maybe you do. <laughs> In theory, we should be all using our brains. And so they are sort of in consort. They work together, but there may be a specialty that one side has versus the other, or in this case, one partner has versus the other. Um, Like, for instance, the Coen brothers. I think one is more of a producer, writer. One's more of a director, writer. And that's how they divide things up, I think. But do you think they stay in those trenches? I don't know. I mean, I think that you got to be fluid. Yeah, I'm positive you do. And especially with a creative endeavor like what they're engaged Mm -hmm. in, I think it's almost standard that you have to make sure that, you know, you you don't stay rigid. You can jump from one lane to the next, etc. So what you're saying in this case is if if couples wanted to set up a co-leadership situation, they might start out with, okay, here are my primary responsibilities, here are yours, here's your decision-making area, here's mine, but we we constantly communicate, we constantly connect, but you kind of go with the flow when it's something that comes up that might lean more to someone's interest or talent. Yeah. And it may start out that way. You can Mm -hmm. put that down on paper as sort of a rough guideline. But with us, as you know, those things change almost minute by minute when we're in the middle of a project. True. So, And it's changing right now. Can you feel it? I can. I can feel it. So, yeah, and I think that was one of the things I I took away from some of our research on this is that communication is so, so, so important. Mm -hmm. So, like, for instance, letting – like. If I'm going to own something, we both need to know this is, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this or you're going to do that. Yeah, and we do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll just go ahead and drill down. We'll take the project on ourselves mm-hmm. and be responsible for most of it, if not all of it. Mm-hmm. And that works out fine, too. Yeah, and just, you know, let, let the other know, I got this. So we, we kind of talked about it's possible, all right? We can, you know, there it may be clunky or it may work perfectly smoothly that you have a co-leadership role what do you think are some of the potential problems with having more than one leader again this goes back to the whole idea that you need just one person to you know you can't you truly can't have two people um you know literally flying a plane yes you have a pilot and co-pilot but you can't literally have two people driving the car at the same time you can have a driver and you can have the backseat driver but the power dynamic is different yes you can um but Okay, but in our world, we're saying, yeah, in a business situation, you can have co-leaders, but what are the problems that, that, that might occur in that situation? The first one that comes to my mind is if you have a staff. Yeah. Oh, you may yeah. be sending mixed signals to them, and it leads to confusion and breakdowns along the chain of communication. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. process gets interrupted. Kind of gets the go-ask-your-mom version of business communication like <laughs> somewhat like that yeah and again the the one central figure thing usually mm-hmm. comes into play there 
You know, there, there's maybe it's a good cop, bad cop thing with some staffs. Maybe uh, some of your team members just really need to collaborate with one or the other of you, but they're not sure which one. I think that's where you just have to make it clear. And yeah, you're right. I mean, we have it easy because we're like, we're a micro business, don't have employees. We, um, you know, just basically have to work with ourselves. But you're right. If you have team members and they don't know who to go to, You've not made it clear to them who you who is responsible for what, and yeah. that's on you. And you need to make sure that is uh, communicated, whether it's verbalized or official, or basically on your you know this is your um, title within the business, and you take care of all things on this side. You take care of all. It's kind of like if you own a restaurant, you might sure. have one front of house, one back of house. Yeah. The front of house is all about hiring the wait staff, making sure that you know the supplies are in for table. Um, cloths or silverware and the back of house is ordering the produce and ordering all that so if you clearly have these roles but you both are passionate about the restaurant you own the restaurant together yeah and you also have to have someone who will be the officiant at the cage matches that you have out back way out back right when you have the alternative revenue yeah and no that's that's conflict revolution for your company you divide and con- conquer you said, con- you said conflict revolution revolution that's what I mean <laughs> It's changed the whole it's thing. It's in the air. <laughs> okay, what about decision-making? That could be an issue. If you have something big and you have co-leadership, it's kind of like why a lot of boards or committees, or something, they might have you know an uneven number. So yeah. that way you can have a majority rule in this case. Yeah. So if you have like, again, we whether your dynamic is 50-50, 51-49, if you're a couple, odds are you both have a stake in everything and you are wanting to have a decision. You want to have the empowerment to make decisions and to be a part of those decisions. Yeah. Um, but I guess at some point you have to kind of figure out, this goes back to like as a couple making compromise in your relationship, you know, what is it worth to fight about this or what is, what is it, what's at stake that you kind of make say, okay, I don't necessarily agree with this particular thing that you're doing with the business, but I trust you and I'm going to let say you make that decision. Yeah. I'll refer back to our old pal, Luke Sullivan. Mm-hmm. You know, he's of the mind, and I think it's true, that conflict spurs all kinds of creativity. That's true. Better ideas come out. Yeah, I think that this is true also when you have that co-leadership dynamic that sometimes runs into friction. Mm -hmm. That can really be, if, if you're willing to put your egos to the side a little bit, that can be a real impetus for some creative solutions to the problems you may be facing or even just the situation at hand. Yeah, that is true. There are many times where I'm thinking one thing and then I'll talk to you and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't think about it from that point of view or that side. And it really does help. It's like, you know, more brains, you know, uh, two heads better than one, mm-hmm. unless you like, it's, you know, a demon dog <laughs> in hell. Then you don't really, fewer, fewer heads better. Well, but um, yeah, that's the... That's just sort of like you get to say, okay, here's my thought on it. And you discuss, and you're right, If you, you, you shouldn't avoid conflict. And when we say conflict, a lot of times people think arguing or, or being, um, like, I guess, one pitted against the other. What it really is, conflict is just different views, and you're, like, working your way through. And it may be like, oh, I hadn't thought about that let's go with your idea or you might be oh that's even better let's do it that way so you're right i mean sometimes having this co-leadership yeah the decisions 
might be slowed down a little bit, but in the long run, they may end up being better. Yeah. I think that you get a better quality. Uh, Of course, not all the time, but you have to look for those creative elements. It has to be, it's work. Mm -hmm. Just like any other part of your business, it's going to be work. You just have to have the tools at hand to know when there's some kind of good idea coming up here. Right. A creative solution that nobody had thought of before. There are also going to be times that a decision may you may need to be made just by you. And that's where the couple, you need to decide, okay, at what point does someone have autonomy to make that decision if the other one's not around or is too busy? And I think we, we do a pretty good job of that. Like if there's, obviously, I joked about in the beginning about IT being so easy. I have no clue. And usually I can rely on you to just make the decision about what software updates we need, what equipment we need, those kinds of things. You'll, you know, check with me and things like that about our budgets or upcoming projects that you know, like, when do I need this equipment in, you know, by. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, that's your your world. So that's where you have the autonomy and you know, I'm going to rely on your expertise. And there are other areas where I do that. And I think Couples just have to communicate where those areas are. Um, obviously, like getting new office space would be something you'd consult with each other on. Well, but yeah. but yeah. if it was something small, like we need a new printer, that doesn't necessarily have to be both both parties investigating the best printer and doing all the research together. I think you can kind of rely on the other. Or we need to outsource something, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, the printing. The other point in in how to do things, I think, is look at the flow and recognize that situationally, one of the beautiful things about being a micro business or a very small business is your ability to pivot. Yes. And that applies to the leaders of the business also if it's a co-leadership situation. You don't have to always uh, stay in the same role or the same uh, mode. You know, across the several days that a project may last, if it's a big one, um, you look at it kind of objectively if you can, and just a pivot accordingly. Situational leadership comes into play there. Who is strongest in a scenario that uh, plays out over a given period of time on a project? Well, look at the way geese are, um, you know, the V formation. Yeah, when they're migrating and flying. Yeah, every time, you know, you, you'll hear these nature documentary people talk about the fact that they will take turns. One is is the lead, and then they'll just gracefully move and let someone else take the lead because they either know that uh, it's necessary at that moment, whether it's fatigue or knowledge or whatever. I don't The needs of the many outweighing the needs of the one. And what's good for the goose is good for the business. (laughs) Okay. And which one am I? No, don't answer that. In our interview segment, we talked to Chris and Kaylin Armistead, the owners of Armistead Wealth, about how working together is working for them. How long have you guys, you two, been married, and how long have you owned your business together? So, I'll let you answer the uh, married part. Uh, is it because of math? It's the math. It's, well, it's a guy it's, thing. So, we were... It's it's 2015 of May, so I've never been able to figure out, are we in our eighth year? Or... <laughs> Okay, so the short answer to that is we just celebrated our eighth wedding anniversary in oh, May. Congrats. Yes. So I guess entering year nine, I suppose. Yeah. 
So, and as far as uh, being in business together, um, that actually recently just happened. Yeah, 2022. So we'd oh, always wow. kind of talked about working together and um, I started my business when I was 21. So I was in college and, um, and that was a challenge because it was like, I'm 21, don't have a whole lot of life experience and the people that I'm trying to work with don't make any money and you know, that kind of thing. But I stuck it out and, um, and you know, having the ability to set your own and set your own uh, schedule and income and, you know, not miss out on family events kind of thing. And then uh, she liked that idea because she was working with a, a hospice company where she was oh. there like eight to five, maybe even sometimes later. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but we'd always talked about working together. There were some things that happened at her company and then we just kind of decided, um, why not now? So, yeah. So why not now? Yeah. So is this the same company that you started when you were 21? Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. so you started a business and then you joined later. Mm -hmm. um, was part of it also because, I mean, I can't imagine working in hospice, that's got to be an emotionally draining kind of position. You know, this is going to sound really odd, um, but I feel like with, with hospice, it almost just becomes a routine. So oh. you, I was always in administration. Um, and so it was really kind of fun to pour into the staff who were then pouring into the patients and then it's kind of reciprocated up the chain. Um, I loved everything about hospice and I loved everything about healthcare administration. I mean, it was great. The downside was really just, just the hours. Um, mm -hmm. And then also just kind of recognizing as we started having children, that changed the dynamic. I mean, your kids, when they start asking for daddy every night, because daddy is the one that can have the flexibility in the schedule, um, that's kind of eye-opening. And then at the end of the day, there's life is short. Um, I've got, in my side of the family, we've got a genetic condition that's pretty rare that unfortunately causes people to go on disability pretty early. Mm. And so we think about that in our day-to-day -day lives and think about just how awesome it is to have the ability to have low stress your time you can't pay enough money in the world for time and that's really what we wanted at the end of the day for ourselves so always a goal but as things kind of shifted paradigm wise in the healthcare industry it was just time to make that change. So. We find that a lot, like people who are interested in starting their own business. Um, some of it, they just have an entrepreneurial spirit, which Chris, you obviously did from day mm -hmm. one. But other times it is because they want to get the most out of their life and have flexibility. Um, and it's just one of those things that being your own boss, while it is, it's not always easy, it is more uh, flexible. Yeah, and we love to travel and, you know, go different countries and that's that's a big you know thing for us and so um now it's even easier so. mm -hmm. don't have to ask off yeah. <laughs> Do right I you time? yeah you have your own schedule and you can you know determine that well you have mm -hmm. to ask each other you know get permission right written yeah. permission i guess mm. yeah many yeah. times we'll ask something like you need to talk to jody in hr about that or yeah. jody in <laughs> finance about that <laughs> He's a real that? stickler. <laughs> Jody in finance. Yeah, uh, we'll just talk to Jody in finance about that one. That's funny. Yeah, we actually just last night booked a trip to uh, Cancun, so we're leaving on a Sunday and coming back on a Wednesday. So that just wouldn't have been possible uh, in her previous job, you know. Well, so. when you take time off, do you bring your computer and you're still accessible? And that's the other yeah. thing too. When yeah, you own so, a business, so that's the other thing. So a lot of our meetings, primarily my meetings, are Zoom meetings. So. Um, we're able to do that from really anywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. So we could literally go on vacation, but then 
it could be kind of a semi vacation where we're still kind of working, you know, but we're in a different place. So that's, what's attractive about it is, you know, the business can continue on while we're no longer, while we're not here presently, you know, what are some of the challenges? We've talked a little bit about the freedom, the flexibility, but what are some of the challenges of running a business together? Um, yeah, I'll start. And this is, this is a safe place. <laughs> right. Thank you for clearing the air. You can, you can, we you won't know, take this home with us. Yeah. yeah we're yeah. not recording. No. Uh, so it's, I would say, honestly, we are both very different people. We have similar personality styles in, in particular settings, but we're just very different in the way that we operate our schedules and our time. Um, and just the way we approach things all together. So what was important for us from day one is that we had each other's, we, we share business, but we have each other's space. So Chris does office, you know, kind of separately from me most days. Um, I do travel in a couple days a week, but for the most part, I try to work from home and out and about in the community, and he's more in the office um, or in meeting with people in their homes. So that was important for us. Yeah, basically like not being together all the time, you know, so that we're not dragging that home too, you know, and there's no sort of disconnect. But I think we've done pretty well with the, you know, splitting the time and, you know, balancing family and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that was a a challenge initially. It was like, how are we going to make sure that we're not, you know, getting in fights with each other because of, you know, just being around each other constantly. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, and a lot of times, too, uh, setting roles and goals. Like, do you guys have different tasks? You mentioned, uh, Kaylin, that you're out in the community more. Mm-hmm. So do you guys have differently defined roles in the business? Yes and no. I, in the business world, have to take a step back and let him mentor me. <laughs> now, in our personal lives, that's a different story. But in the business world, <laughs> I he's got to shepherd me because I came from a totally different business, totally different world. Um, and so he's really the expert here and I have to kind of step back and let him do that. So we, there are some things that we do collectively. Um, and then there's things that I do separately. So I love speaking engagements. I can talk to a brick wall doing seminars, presentations. That's great for me. Um, I have a little bit of marketing experience as far as feet on the street type of marketing. And so that's kind of natural for me. Whereas he a doesn't really want to do that. And B doesn't necessarily have to do that because I've got yeah, it's not it. not necessarily that I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. It's just not what I I just don't enjoy doing that, you know. And she actually likes doing it, so um, you know. So that's that's different roles, I guess. She's more on like the marketing side, and then I'd be more like face to face kind of thing, you know. Yeah, we've again we've talked about this before on our podcast. In when you look at what role you should take, a lot of times you need to look at: Do you have the time for it? Do you have the talent? And do you take an interest? Yeah. So you may be able to, but you don't have the time or interest, right. or you may not be able to. So you kind of need to figure out what it is that you do best, yeah, and yeah. use your time uh, appropriately. Yeah, and we're still trying to kind of figure out that that correct balance, you know. But I mean, for the most part, it's working pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I would say another challenge we can bring up, Chris can elaborate, but it's just more of a, the biggest fear that we had moving into this type of role together is really just its income. So Mm -hmm. it's balancing between, I've always had, you know, a great salary paying that is going to be consistent until the end of time kind of job. And you go from that to now you're both working in commission only positions. That can be a challenge. Um, 
And that was obviously number one, first fear. We had a baby on the way, second baby on the way. Mm-hmm. So even more of a fear. Um, but it's just, I don't know. I mean, it's it's worked out. And I think that's just a good way of saying that this was exactly what we needed to do. Timing was perfect. Yeah. And if you had gone back 10 years and said that you would be doing this now and had shown yourself that at that stage how many different things there are involved, you'd have been saying, I'm, I'm never going to be able to do that. Yeah, It's funny yeah. how you grow into the role that you kind of yeah. make for yourself. Well, and what's weird for me, I was so young that – Literally, all actually, all I want to do is play professional baseball. Like, that was my big thing. And then I decided that we ended up getting engaged, and it was like, all right, I'm, I, I'm not going to play professional baseball. I need to figure out what I'm going to do. So somehow or another, I fell into, like, the insurance industry and then decided from there I wanted to go into more financial planning, but never would have thought that, yeah, today it would look this way. Of course, I don't even know if, if at that point I was really even thinking that far ahead, you know, but – um, but no, it's going good, you know, so far we're, we're really Making enjoying it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. that is one of the things about uh, owning a business. Sometimes people are like, well, I've got to wait for the right time. And there's never a right time, just like with having kids. And that was something that I've I've heard, too. You know, it's like, yeah, we're going to wait for the right time. And then the right time becomes five years or 10 years. And then you just never end up doing it. Any advice you might have for people who are thinking about uh, opening a business or joining their spouse in their existing business? (laughs) I would say do it. I mean, I've already said this once, but life is short. And just like what Chris was saying, if, you, if you're thinking about, you know, I'm going to push this off and push this off till the timing is perfect in my head, it's not ever going to happen, you know. And, yes, there's some things you have to consider. You have to have some, some checked boxes to make something happen like that. But at the end of the day, when you start pushing things off, your dream is just going to be a dream. It's not actually going to ever become reality. I think some advice that I would give would be like, you have to be able to separate like the business time from the, like I was saying earlier, like, you know, business versus, okay, now it's family time, you know, and not letting that drag in. Um, And that's what I like about our setup is we're not constantly together. So it's not like we're, in a mom and pop store and we're working like a hardware store and we're the only people working there and it's family owned. And then we go home and, you know, there's never any separation. So I think having like, you got to be able to separate the business time from like the family time. Well, you really covered the best thing about owning the business and some of the the other uh, questions that we had here. Um, Is there anything else you wanted to add? I'm just really glad that having this conversation it's making me kind of smile thinking about what the last several months have looked like and one of the one of the cool things about what we do is you know you can have like your own individual goals but then you can also have that ultimate like family goal too and so we've got individual goals you know of what we want to accomplish and then within the business but then it's all sort of aligned to you know reach the ultimate goal you know so it's kind of cool In a world where Alan Smithy is the most prominent director, where the actors have an equal share of embarrassment, and the Razzie Awards are a constant menace. <laughs> should I be laughing at this? Or yes, you, you should. Okay, I thought that's because I'm trying to make it as funny as possible. Oh, I, I thought think you, okay, I succeeded. Let's, let's do it again. I'll laugh. I'll laugh because I thought you were going to do sound effects and echo it. I'm and going I, with that one.
Okay. Yeah, but I'll. I'll I was gonna laugh at the first one, but I was like, I don't want to mess up his thing. You, you, should, you should have. I know. Just react. Okay. Don't think. Just react. Okay. Do it again. I've already done it. Okay. Then okay. Yeah, we got it. Each of us has three of our personal worst movies. Not that we were in them. They're not our movies, but yeah. that we as viewers thought yeah. were the worst. And the, the, the thing is, that here's another caveat. The thing at the front when we intro the show, these aren't blockbusters that I have on here. Only only one of them is. Mm-hmm. But the others, I've got a really dark horse here and then one that is painfully obvious. But uh, the, these these don't necessarily have to be the ones that topped the, you know the the charts for any amount of time. There. Well, if they're bad, I would hope they wouldn't. Yeah, because sometimes there are bad movies that are so bad they're good. All right, go with your first. My first one is a movie called 1969. Okay, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Mm-mm. Robert Downey Jr., Kiefer Sutherland. It's a roughly it's a coming of age story about two guys who are facing 1969, and the wacky hijinks include road trips with no purpose. And an unimaginative, predictable soundtrack. You name the cliche rock songs of any movie from that time period, and they're in here. It's just a mess. It's like watching trailers from 10 different movies. Could have been a TV commercial and still have been too long. (laughs) My grade is an F. Ah, all right. That's harsh. But, you know, you got to be honest in these things. All right. My first one. For some reason in the 80s, there was a big resurgence in 3D movies, okay? Oh, yeah. They even had some special 3D glasses on. Uh, you could pick up at the local C-store to watch the world television premiere of whatever the movie was in 3D. So they're like just the cheap like, uh, 3D glasses. Oh, you're glasses. talking about TV movies now. No, I'm talking about movies. You know, it was a movie, but this is where... Like, this is Jaws 3D, and there's no way my parents let me see this movie in the theater. So I saw it at home, but again, because it's Jaws 3, 3D, Mm. I got the glasses, and I was like, I don't know what I was expecting, but... And I mean, I didn't really want gore and like an arm flying at me, but for the most part, it was stupid stuff. It was like, really? Yes, yeah, hard to believe, right? Here's a harpoon coming right at you, or mm. here's like, I don't know, a pencil. It was just, it was really like, yes, I'm like, huh. That came out and it looks three three D. Taught but the shark how to write with a pencil. That would have been a much better movie had they uh, done that. Yeah. But I was just like, what was the point? I mean, they made a big to do about this, and I'm like, I'm seeing someone, you know, or like, I remember there was another three D movie that you could just see someone juggling or something. You know, it's just like it was stupid. It wasn't like fun, and it was and it was also just a bad movie in general. So Jaws three D, I didn't give him a grade, but that was pretty bad. 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 All right, yours next. Jaws good, Jaws 3D bad. Yeah, Jaws. There was a Jaws 2 also. Yeah, I don't even remember what that was. It was kind of a mess because, obviously, um, Roy Scheider came back. He reprised his role as the sheriff. Uh And they had the same mayor, which means that if you don't learn from history, you tend to vote against your own best interest. Yeah. But also, (laughs) you know, Robert Shaw... I mean, he, well, he, he got eaten. Yeah. Oh, so hello. there was no way they went, unless they made it a prequel. Spoiler. Oh, oh, sorry. If you haven't seen this 50-year-old movie, <laughs> then shame on you. My second choice is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. What? Yeah. 
This movie has everything. An irritating 10-year-old yelling, oh, Indy, every two minutes. That's it, yeah. A disinterested Harrison Ford phoning it in. Yeah. And a villain. You remember the guy that was in like the headdress that was from yes. a cow or something? He appears to be on day six of a seven-day cocaine binge. <laughs> but you have to admit, that was really creepy when he, oh, wait, spoiler, tore the guy's heart out. And no. showed it to him before he died. No. I, by that time in the movie, I was in the theater watching it when it was in its oh. first run. And I was laughing. Oh. I just thought, as good as the first one was, this one is, is powerfully bad. Aww. So this was the worst Indiana Jones movie until oh. they made The Dial of Drowsiness. The Dial of Drowsiness. <laughs> F. <laughs> okay, my number two movie, all right? Mm-hmm. This movie came out a little bit after like Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours, yeah. and it was the height of Eddie Murphy's fame, and you expected something really good, and you got Golden Child, or The Golden Child. Oh, yeah. That's a great choice for the bad oh, movies. Oh, my gosh. It w- <laughs> it made no sense. It was, I mean, he tried his best to be funny, but it was just... Weird. And again, this came out like in the 80s. It wasn't like I was a film connoisseur. I mean, I would watch a lot of, you know, crap. I mean, I was like, you know, 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. But I was like, what was that? What did I you just... You were old enough to know that this was not a good what movie. What did I just watch? Yeah. Oh, that was not good. Two hours, you'll never Whatever get Whatever happened to that Eddie Murphy guy? I hope he made a comeback after well, that Well, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, the last choice on my list is really... The film and its sequel. I'm talking about none other than Breakin' and Breakin' 2, <gasps> Electric and Boogaloo. Two. Yeah. What? These were produced by the infamous Canon Group, whose other gifts to cinema include all of the Death Wish films. <gasps> yeah. That was almost on my list, Death Wish 3. With the gang, well, you, you know, yeah. you got four and five also. Oh, they made they made like five of them and six. Oh I don't know. Okay, so this movie basically boils down to got a gang problem? Let's solve it by opening a dance center where the kids can figure it all out with cardboard and sick popping and locking. <laughs> I promise you have seen better performances at the DMV. Oh my gosh, yeah, that, that was pretty bad. The, these get two F's apiece. Yeah, and it does seem like there was like a trope of like throwing putting together a talent show. And raising money was the key to everything. Yeah. I mean, think of all the problems we could have tackled if we just World had enough peace. of those. Yeah. Yes. All right. My last one. This came out in the late 90s. Right. And I went to the theater with a group of friends. And we were just expecting your typical scary movie. I don't normally like scary movies. But I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that is unusual It for is you. unusual. But this was so ridiculous. The we started yelling. Yes. We started yelling snide comments to the screen like we were doing our own personal <laughs> Mystery Science Theater 3000. That's pretty bad. Was it, Were there other people in the theater? Yes. And they were laughing. <laughs> it, Anaconda. I haven't seen that oh, one. Oh my gosh, it's got J-Lo in it. I think and I deliberately missed it. John Voight. Okay, spoiler alert. At one point in the movie, the giant anaconda swallows John Voight's character. Then a few minutes later, it spits him back up. No. And you see him, and he winks like he's still alive, and then the snake eats him again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What? What was that uh, supposed John to be?" Boyd's tough. He's right. a tough cookie. But this is what makes me wonder. Like, okay, if you ever get tired of like the phrase "jumping the shark," would we change it with "spitting out the John Voight"? <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> if a movie's bad, they just spit out the John Voight. Thanks for listening to Couples Inc., a podcast helping couples work better together. We put out new episodes the first and third Wednesday of each month. But to make sure you don't miss a show, subscribe using your favorite streaming service. We're on all of them. And if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, go ahead, share it with others, post it on social media, or leave us a rating or review. And be sure to visit our website, couplesincpodcast.com, to learn more about us, review show notes, or leave us a message. Until next time.